Nation. What's going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. Thanks for joining us once again. See you getting a big week one win. Some people out there, some may say they didn't look uh, maybe how they expected the Buffs to look, but that's okay. Want to know? Buffs uh, get things rolling against the UNC Bears. So we'll talk today about what they need to do to get ready for AM. If there's any changes that need to be made, do you think there's any changes that need to be made? Because look, you spend any time on Twitter or Facebook, you would think that uh, the sky is falling. I'm Tyler Walgy, Jared all to my right. Jared, how you doing? I'm feeling a lot better today than I did Friday night. Friday night certainly did feel like the sky was falling for a minute there. <laughs> there, was some, there were some moments, but hey, when you look back at it, it, a win's a win right now. That's why you schedule these games, well, right? That's why you schedule them. I mean, look, we're, we're going to talk today about the UNC game. What went wrong potentially early on? Did anything go wrong? Were our expectations not where they should be? Because look, you look across the country, week one, there were a lot of games that kind of went that way. Teams that should have been dominating, struggling into halftime. Even Texas A&M against Kent State. It was like 10-7 at halftime, something like that. They end up winning 41-10. We'll talk about A&M later on. But CU ended up getting the win. Was it 35-7? Correct. You know, and, and put up the stats, but... You could say on the road to that 35-7, there were some question marks. I'm getting back in my seat over here. If, if no one noticed, uh, producer Ryan is out right now. He's on the way. What did he say? He was in traffic 225 in Yosemite or so. Yeah. So uh, so if there's no accident on 225 in Yosemite, please uh, tweet me at Tyler Walgie. Let me know. We need to know if Ryan's... Uh, being being real, about yeah, we got to keep Ryan accident. in check here. It was a, a real last minute notification there, you know. It sound, sounded like maybe somebody wasn't quite prepared for uh, for the show today. I'm not I'm not going to call anyone out or anything. All right, I'm back in my seat over here. This this. But feels, I just I want to point out to like the home. audience because nobody gets to see this, but I just show up here and I'm just I'm just the entertainment. <laughs> okay, I, I I contribute very little to the show. Tyler is a one man machine right now, running from producer table back to his own spot where he has all of his notes and information to be the host of this show yeah. I, I just show up and throw some peanuts at him i know? gotta say i do like all the, the there's a lot of buttons over there i feel like i'm about to launch a spaceship i'm so intimidated by that board i, I don't i don't even want to try well the board that's confusing with the the levels and stuff but the the buttons with like the the sound effects that's where you can get really yeah you're, you're dangerous at that yeah. producer yes i table am there Yes, I am. All right, so let's talk about dangerous. What can Colorado do to be more dangerous on offense? Before you say, Tyler, 35-7, look at all the rushing yards, because that is one thing I heard, you know, from uh, whether it's, uh, you know, those who were backing the buffs up, because you, know, you get both sides on social media, obviously, right? You get the, hey, uh, the CU looks terrible. That was awful. How can you do that? And then you get the other side saying, no, they look perfect. It was awesome. It was amazing. I found, I, I fell somewhere in the middle, but the one thing that I don't want to come away saying is, hey, they rushed for 281. No big deal. It was fine. It wasn't that they rushed for, it wasn't that they couldn't put yards on the, on, on the stat sheet or, or in the box score. It's how they did it. And they got shut down early. And so it comes down, Jared. I mean, obviously, they didn't look at early, early run of the football, right? Absolutely. Early on, actually, really surprising to see the Buffs struggle in the trenches. They weren't getting a lot of push up front. I think it took some time for them to kind of get to gel and, and come together on that sense. But I did too, that was concerning sure. early on. But, but what a lot of people are saying is, look, they were calling bread and butter plays. They weren't trying to really push the envelope, to which it's like... And, and I don't want to be hard on the buffs at all because you don't want to show your hand against A&M, but you still want to execute. I mean, what you ideally see 
usually not this week because week one there were a lot of teams who underperformed you could say but typically historically better teams in college football get that quick lead first half are able to rest starters or try some different things in the second half that's what i was expecting so i guess the 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 question is were our expectations off for this game i mean is unc better than you thought? no and, and i think when you come back and look at this game i i think we got what we expected i mean the buffs were up 14 nothing at half sure it wasn't a pretty 14 nothing but by that point in the game they were dominating. They were in control of this game. Right. At no point was there really any concern that the bus weren't in control of it. So I'm not. That doesn't bother me as much as some of the specific um, things that you saw. Some of the the concerns I had offensively was more what we saw out of Brendan Lewis early, who looked like a deer in headlights. Ryan just got here. How you doing? Producer? I know. Ryan, well, what, what I have to up, just actually. go ahead and eat some words really quickly. I just I just called you out. And we didn't oh, yeah. think you were going to be here the whole show. We're like, no way he shows. No way. He's in traffic, you know? <laughs> we were uh, wow. we were going to send out the I-team to see if there was really a, a crash out there. But, yeah, uh, well, I expect a uh, handwritten apology, Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, we're just talking to catch you up, Ryan. Um, were the expectations off? Because obviously, you know, like, like we said, you spend any time on Twitter, Facebook, social media. Fans are all over the place. But a lot of fans are unhappy with the showing against UNC because there wasn't that dominant performance. But, you know, we're talking right now about where the expectations lined up with what they should have been. I mean, because at the end of the day, CU did put up a lot of numbers. They did rush for a lot of yards. They won 35-7. Not, not a bad game. And they, and they did what they needed to in terms of optics. But were the expectations off going in? This whole idea of needing to win 40, 50, 60 points. And, and Jared just brought up... Uh, uh, some quarterback play. We'll get to that in a second. But do you think, Ryan, the expectations were off going into this game, or were they were the, you know were they correct and see you underperformed? Well, I think uh, the initial reaction at first. Uh, I, I think a lot of it is you know everybody's been spent the last eighteen months at home. We're finally back at Folsom Field, and and yeah, I, I think the expectations were you know that forty fifty point win. Um, but you know, I I, I think. I think you know you always look at you, you've seen a lot that uh, that they weren't showing a lot. Um, I noticed a lot of the transfers didn't play, right? Um, and I just found out today that um, Barnes. I'm sorry, what was his first? Uh, Robert, Robert Robert Barnes. Barnes. He was actually he actually had a soft tissue injury, so that's why he didn't play. Um, and they just decided not to uh, you know not to risk it and well, have him play. But. Probably a good decision there. And, yeah. and, and look, I think it was a, an even medium of the coaches wanting to do the best thing for the team and CU did not perform up to their level, okay? If that's what the buffs can look like, even running their bread and butter, there's going to be some questions. But the penalties as well. I mean, you can... Yeah, 12 yeah, for 118 huge. yards. That's not what you More want More penalty see. yards than passing yards in this game for the buffs. See, so that's the thing. Is there, there, There's not this whole... Oh, we'll see you first game, work some kinks out, knock the rust off. There, it's more than that. You know, I think that we'd all be willing to say it's not just, hey, first game jitters, first game. It's more than that. And you expect the team to be more prepared going in. And this is not some Carl Durrell thing. I still love Durrell. I think he's the guy for the job. I, I mean, I don't even want to say that because that's the whole, you, you put it out there and it's like, 
it's sort of assuming guilt, right? But but I think Carl Durrell is awesome. I think he does a great yeah, job. Yeah, a lot just of times they came you, out like you that, do don't blame Durrell. You do say you know when you see penalty issues, you do look towards coaching. I, I think that's kind of where you're going with that. A lot of times, it was people will kind of insinuate that that's a coaching issue. Um, I, I think especially early on when you see that if, if this is a trend over the season, we're going to start talking coaching with that. I but, promise you, it's not going to be a trend. That's something no, they're going to talk and, about. But, this week. but here's the deal. This is what's concerning to me is you can't just cut that number in half against A&M. That has to go away. You cannot be getting penalties against A&M, giving up penalty yards in any fashion to have a chance to win. I mean, that's not how you beat really good teams. You get away with that against Northern Colorado. Right. No, that's that's absolutely right. You can't do that against A&M. You can't give them another possession. It's got to be clean, and, and, and we'll break this game down a little bit more coming up, but it's got to be one of those games where you're not repeating those mistakes for sure against A&M. But the, the penalties, you know, again, it's just little thing here, little thing there. It was week one. And we didn't expect the cleanest game ever, but there are some things to look at that, that was cause for, for concern. Yeah. I, what was concerning for me about the penalties was that they were big penalties. You know, they're 15 yarders. So um, got to be a little bit more disciplined. And, uh, you know, just you just got to think, man. Just got to think before you act. Exactly. A lot of, a lot of chunk penalties. Um, something we talked about earlier. Yes, they did have 281 on the ground, but the way they did it early on, getting shut down, wasn't you know, the most promising thing ever, but we did see Broussard end up getting 94 yards and in the end zone, Ashad Clayton scored a touchdown. Alex Fano scored a touchdown. Deion Smith getting some carries, scoring a touchdown as well. You love to see that. And this is exactly what we talked about last week. And this is one of my keys. Get a lot of guys involved, both on the ground and through the air. Now, obviously it, it was tougher to get things going through the air. And let's talk about the passing game now. Do you have anything to add before we kind of move off the rushing attack and, you know, any surprises? Just, just like that? building off of your point, there's, you know, I believe six guys here that had more than four carries. So, I mean, that they really did. And that's where I guess just kind of touching back to, you know, whether the CU did what you expected them to do, did they meet expectations? And when you see that, that tells me they got a lot of guys in on the field late in that game, and that's what you wanted to see against a team like Northern Colorado. I do have one other thing to add before we get to the receivers in, in the passing game. Uh, the line, because obviously the line, you know, tied in with these running back success. Um, well, obviously tied in with the offensive success, but we're talking about the running game right now. Did that surprise you that they weren't able to kind of push UNC around a little bit more? And let's not forget, the Bears had 17 transfers, a lot bigger, a lot stronger than UNC typically is. They're going to be one of the bigger FCS teams, but were you kind of surprised the offensive line wasn't getting off? And- yeah, that that is concerning. I mean, you're talking a whole different caliber of of, of talent and size and speed. Uh, when, when you look at the next two or three games, four games, I think you have your, your toughest games for the Buffs coming up. So... You, you got to get it going quickly, and it was good to see them get some push and start to, uh, you know, seem like establish things as the game went on. But that ha- it has to improve dramatically next week. Well, one thing that they did is they were shuffling a lot of guys in. So I think that CU did use an opportunity to sort of try some guard play, tackle play. Let's slide them over. Let's use different positions. There was a lot of shuffling going on. So. Let's not forget, it was week one. I think, you know, we're kind of brushing past that with the being sort of critical here. But the coaching staff understood that, and they want to put a lot of guys out there in different positions, get them used to this. But we're going to see a different Buffs team this this second week of the season, and I think that does especially, or will especially, stand out in the passing game. So to start things off, I thought that Brendan Lewis 
looked very uh it looked like the game was going very fast you know he had the quit he had the happy feet didn't look like he's going through his progressions didn't like you it didn't look like he was comfortable and if if he's not comfortable against unc's defense at home imagine i was going to be against texas a&m's defense in mile high stadium tyler i am very concerned about this this is probably the biggest concern i came come away from this game and i want to be clear this is not a concern about Brendan Lewis's talent and ability long term. I think he showed flashes even in that game. He showed flashes last year of the talent he has, and he can develop into a very good quarterback. I'm a little bit afraid that he's not ready for this moment. And this this moment, especially looking next week against a top 10 team and one of the best defenses in the nation... Yeah. It terrifies me, and he's really got to speed up the processor, but I think it goes beyond just Brennan Lewis, and I think this coaching staff needs to really, really well, but hold on. Put, them, put him in a position to be successful next I week. I think they will, because I think the coaching staff saw what we saw, and it's yes. like, oh, no, this is game speed. This yes. is what it's going to look like. We need So this whole week, yep. they better be sitting down, and I'm sure they are. They know more about football, or they've forgotten more about football than we all know, right? So let's see who's got a great coaching staff. They're going to get him ready and fix those mistakes. But he's he's got to throw the football. I mean, uh, my yes. God, there's nothing wrong with throwing an interception. It's it's not the end of the world. Every every quarterback throws a pick. Tom Brady's throwing picks. Babe Manning's throwing picks. You're going to throw a pick, but you're not going to throw a pick or gain yards if you don't throw the football. And I mean, my God. That's the one thing, and I hate to. I was. It was a little fraud. It's like, dude, throw the ball, get rid of the football. Like, and going back and watching, it's not just because I was in the stands and things were happening live. You're looking at the linemen. You're looking at something different every play. When I went back and watched, no, it was clear. Guys were open, and it was mid route. You know, it's not going to be where there's no one ten yards in between you. You're going to have to hit windows. You're going to have to throw it between defenders. You're going to have to anticipate a receiver being in a certain spot, and he wasn't doing that very well at all. So when the when the receivers are open, when it's a screen pass, when it's a pre-designed, you're going to go here with the football, everything's great. But when you have to go through the reads, I'm just worried, you know, to Jared's point that Jimbo Fisher and this staff, they're going to put together some looks that's just going to confuse him because right now, Brendan Lewis's first thing has to be, okay, go through the progressions, get rid of the football. This is square A type of stuff. Jimbo Fisher's going to be showing exotic blitzes. I mean, so... Th- this whole game comes down to the coaching staff putting the right game plan together. I'm not saying that CU's out of this. I mean, heck, CU has a very good shot to win it. They're coming to altitude. Texas A&M is. Look what happened last week with Montana and Washington. You know, it, it happens all the oh, time. There, there, there was four or five in the top ten. Exactly. It happens all the time. The right thing goes, to, you know, the right things go your way. You, you get a game plan that works, and you can win these games. So CU just has to do the right things to put themselves in a position to win. Let's talk right now about what those things are. I think the first one, and this is going to be classic football. It's going to sound like, you know, uh, this is generic, but it's really not. Because every game, I think that CU is going to have a lot riding on how well Brendan Lewis does passing the football. This is going to come down to can CU run the football and stop the run. And I go, I know that's kind of cliche. That's what I want to say. That's going to be the most important thing here. Can CU stop Texas A&M in front of the football, dictate that that young quarterback of theirs, just like us, they got a young quarterback too, who didn't look great week one. Okay, so we're looking at an offense pretty similar to what we're dealing with. You've mentioned that. I'm glad you do because what you look at from A&M, they won 41 to 10 over Kent State. They were up. I think it was 21 to 3 
midway through the third quarter, 14 to three, midway through the third quarter before they had a pick six, putting them to right. 21 three. This was no, not very different than what you saw from Sue. Right. So this is a team that came in. Their quarterback is a young guy. He struggled early, so I, I think there are some opportunities. This, if you're going to play AM, you want to play them early right now, right? No, and that's the thing. I mean, but like I said, they kind of remind the buffs of the buffs right now. At least they remind yes. me of CU, and, so it's easier to stop that when you know you're dealing with it too. And some quick stats now: AM did end up with almost 300 yards passing as a team, uh, but you know, a different story there. But running the ball, to your point, CU had about what 281 yards. Yeah. Well, and M three hundred and three as a team. But hold last on, week, let's so. rewind because you say different story there with texting and throwing the football. Did you say? Do you mean different story there because it's just A and M and we expect? No, that I or? meant that's the discussion we're going to have in a minute. More, you oh, were just okay, talking okay, about okay. the rushing yards, and okay. that's what I was trying to get to. Is as a team ran for three hundred yards in that game, so that is it going to be huge for the Buffs to shut them down. I think that's the key to this team. Now they did put up some pass some some stats passing the ball mm -hmm. but very similar to CU's game that a lot of that happened late once this game was was already kind of in the books and they were padding stats at that point okay okay and, and you're right yeah we will get to the kind of passing game here in a sec but look I think in terms of CU running the football on offense Broussard is going to get his carries and his yards Clayton I mean we were going to want to see a lot of the same guys getting involved like we did against uh, UNC but it's going to have to be different ways, and there's going to have to be more production. You're not going to, uh, we can't get into these uh, second and ten, third and eight. Like that's too. There was too much of that, especially early on. That can't you can't afford that against A and M. It's much more. See, here's the thing: every game is going to be different, right? In this A and M game, it's much more about, in my opinion, this is purely my opinion. It's about playing the game within the game, right? Against UNC, it was working on stuff, you know, putting the points up, looking good enough for the committee, but. Against A and M, it's about running clock, right? We're playing the field position game, or it's about we're playing the time game. So it's about running clock as much clock as you can, which UNC did against the Buffs. I don't know if you guys noticed that was, they were snapping that a lot within five seconds. We should be doing that next week against A and M, playing the field position game. You know, don't be conservative. If you do get into a third and seven, I think against this opponent, A and M, there's nothing wrong with a draw. Get out of there punt, flip the field, get your defense on the field, which CU's going to rely on their defense this game a lot more than their offense. So it's just much more game within the game type of stuff that we should expect this game. And part of doing that is dictating the, uh, dictating the flow, right? Running the football, not allowing A&M to run. So again, I know it's a little cliche, but to me, that's going to be huge. Now on the not allowing A&M to run part, a lot easier said than done. Great offensive line. Like you said, Jared, they put up some numbers last week. But this is where CU's going to excel this year. Defensive line. By the way, Ryan, uh, we had a couple defenders coming back. You can talk about that in a second. But uh, the defensive line getting some guys back. We know how great these linebackers can be. This is where CU should excel, is stopping the run. So they got a great test coming up this weekend. But that's where they should excel anyway. And if you look back at last week, that was the strength of this Buffs defense. And I'm, I'm looking it up right now. I think it was somewhere in the range of like 40 yards. While you're looking rushing. that up, Ryan, uh, who we got coming back on the defensive line and when should they be back? Uh, well, I, I just mentioned uh, Robert Barnes. Uh, so you'll get him back. And then uh, Mustafa Johnson, actually, um, I don't know if you've talked about it already, but Mustafa nope, Johnson, the uh, the outstanding defensive lineman for you know the past couple of years for the Buffs, he actually declared for the draft um, after last year. And um, I think he kind of, you know, got a cup of coffee, I think, with the Jets, I believe, um, but didn't end up getting signed. Um, and actually, they were uh, 
Colorado was granted a waiver so Mustafa Johnson could be put back onto the roster. And um, he's under some sort of suspension. I'm not really sure what that pertains to, but he just got cleared today to uh, begin practicing. That's awesome. I saw one report that even though he's serving this suspension, and there's no timetable on the suspension currently, but um, they were saying uh, that we could probably expect him back by uh, the USC game. But it would be great if he was out there on, on Saturday, but uh, but really cool to get uh, get Mustafa back. And my yeah, understanding of this suspension is it is related to him having gone to the NFL So in order I was to get this say, waiver. Maybe it's because of the whole cup of coffee thing. Yeah, because oh, yeah. he's I, technically I mean, declared sure himself as a professional athlete. And there's been there's been cases before um, recently, and I, I don't know the name or the, the team off the top of my head, but it was a punter oh, that really? was granted a waiver to come back to college as well. Well, and I was unaware of this. I, I, I mean, we talked, uh, we talked about the um, grad assistant for South Carolina that was – able to start at quarterback because they had some COVID complications. This is the first I've ever heard of a grad transfer getting the ability to play and a guy who declared for the NFL draft to come back. Um, I've never heard of that waiver system. I, don't, I, I, I suspect it's because he probably didn't hire an agent, but now with all of this other stuff uh, with being able to make money as an athlete. Maybe now, that's part of and it. That could be I have part no of it idea too. what's going and, on. And that may be something to watch in the coming months well, to I see mean, that changes. College football has just loosened up so much. It's like like, and, and I feel like college football the last couple of, of decades, it's it's like a parent with different kids. You know, if you have maybe three kids, the <laughs> oldest one always gets the toughest rules, the earliest curfew. And by kid three, it's like, yeah, come home whenever you want to. You know, that's how it works pretty much every family. That's how college football has been. The oh. 80s, it was like, nope, nope, buttoned up. There's college football, academics. And then the 90s, it's like, wow, look at all this TV money. 2000s, oh. now it's like, yeah. Let's let him come back. Let's open up the rules. You can make money. This should be allowed. It is ridiculous that these guys, that you're going to let them throw away their future. I mean, some of these guys are, are doing this. They leave because they feel they have no choice. They need to start making money. They're not in a situation with their family where they can afford to continue to go to college. And, and now it's a little different. Again, you, you have the ability to make money while in college, but... I mean, I think they should allow him to come back. I but think there should absolutely be a period of time where after the draft, if you go undrafted, you can still go back to college. Yeah, well, you, apparently you can. And, and maybe <laughs> that will be a yeah. new thing. I hope yeah. so. I think it, I, I think that'd be really cool, you know, that you can do that. And But we may see it less now because, to your point, Jared, uh, if they can make money in college, it's like, hey, whatever, let's get a Well, and deal I think the and, opportunity to make money is obviously not going to go to everybody. Right, exactly. You know? It's going to so. be select. All right, let's get back to the game. We got a little off there. Yeah, certainly. Um, we were talking uh, stopping the run. Exactly. Uh, see you allowed 20 rushing yards in yeah. last week's game. See, that's big. Going to be a little different this week. Doesn't matter. Confidence builder, everyone doing what we... See, that's what I was talking about with what you expect and the production. See, you should be a great team stopping the run. That's what they did last week. That's awesome. Okay, so anything else to add there for CU's defense? I mean, we expect a big game. D-line, linebackers get involved. Rotation, a lot of guys, right? A lot of, Just like last week, the running backs. I expect that for line, uh, D-line and linebackers. Getting a lot of guys involved, a lot of guys with tackles, but that's going to be important. All right, passing game. Obviously, CU on offense. Brendan Lewis is going to have to look more comfortable, and you have to show something to scare A&M. It can't be last week where they're not afraid at all. I mean, it was kind of... I don't know the right word. I'll just say bad. <laughs> it's not the best in, you know, in radio or podcast just to use that kind of a word. But that's <laughs> what I'm going to say right now for CU to be nice. But there was one point in the game 
where the Bears were running single high, man-to-man on the outside. It's like, whoa, that's not what you should... Yeah, they weren't afraid. Not at all. I mean, that's not good. So we have to scare A&M. There's got to be some element of... I mean, I'm not even talking vertical, which I'd like, but you got to go mid-level. You have to throw 10, 15 yards downfield. I mean, I look at some of the stats last week. Our boy, Montana... Uh, leading the team in catches and yards, two two catches for twenty three yards, and had his first career touchdown. First career Congratulations, touchdown. Congratulations, Montana. One interview, and we're on the first. Yeah, basis there we go. exactly. Oh, first, <laughs> hey, he follows me on Twitter, man. We're friends. First now. name basis for sure. No, Montana's looking good. <laughs> no, he's. Uh, I mean, look, we talked before the season about the all these receivers. Demetri Stanley, one catch, seven yards. I mean. We're going to see a lot of games like this where there's a lot of talent kind of being suppressed because there's so many guys out there. Yeah. But he had a big week. My, uh, uh, Levante Chenal, two catches, 23 yards as well. But that's what we're going to have to see is that downfield threat. And it's not just, okay, guys, go out there and win the one-on-one battle. It does come down to Shiverini calling these plays, putting them in good positions. And so it, it's a collective effort next week. And I, I actually disagree with you in, in the need to – you know, go deep. I mean, sure, there. When you need to take some chances, I think enough to keep this defense honest. But the key for me is get the ball out of Brandon Lewis's hands. I think when you look back to uh, the uh, when Montez, Stephen Montez was a younger quarterback. Something they did a lot. That was also when La, uh, Lavisca Chanel, I believe, was a freshman or sophomore, and he had his big exploding year. That's what you utilize. You need to take advantage of. You have a lot of speed at the wide receiver position and the running back position. Get the ball in these guys' hands at the line of scrimmage quickly. Get the ball out of his hands so they can make plays. Yeah, I didn't mean to overdo the vertical. Do you think I went a little too heavy with the vertical talk there? Uh, maybe uh, okay. just a little, bit, just a little bit. <laughs> and, and look, that's I, I just I'm afraid of him holding the ball. I don't want to no, see routes that. going ten to fifteen yards. That scares me. But hey, look, part of the the growing process is learning that as yeah. a quarterback, you can have a five step drop, get rid of the football immediately, and complete a forty yard pass. Like we see it all the time with experienced quarterbacks in college and the NFL. So it's not always about holding on to the ball, but that right now is what he's afraid to do. But I want to see again. I don't care and. and Field position matters, right? So a, a pick on your own 35-yard line on first down is much different than a pick uh, on you know midfield on third and 10. That's a very different situation. So being aware of the situation is key. But I don't care if I see one, two picks, if I see him trying to... I want to see him try and force and, a couple balls. I want to yeah, see him if try you're, and... If you are taking a shot deep on a one-on-one and you end up with an interception, that's one you can Totally okay. Absolutely. But uh, that's what I want to see is confidence you know don't pre-designate where you're going to go stare him down get rid of the football but whether you're going to go uh to the first read you're going to go over to the second read get rid of it just show the confidence that we didn't see that first week and really that is i think where some fans are showing disappointment it is because it was unc it was a lower opponent you do expect brendan to come out and look a little bit more comfortable in that situation and he simply didn't so Look, I, I I feel like a lot of today's show. I'm defending those who are frustrated with the buffs, uh, because there you know there are a lot of people on both sides of the aisle. But I do want to you know be clear that I think there is justification that if CU is going to get to that point where we all want them to be, a lot of these fans are going to have expectations that are kind of that high. But right. Right, back to the passing game, A um, and M is really experienced in in pass rush right now not so much on the back end so i do think jared you're right getting the ball out of his hands getting the ball out of uh, uh, uh to these receivers running backs tight ends quickly is going to be key so as we said earlier 
it's the game within the game. I think a lot of that is going to be check down, designed short throws, designed, you know, getting these uh, tight ends involved too. But that's what I want to see, Jared. And again, I think I may have overdone it with the whole vertical thing, but it can't just be running, 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 check down short passes. You got to get more. All right, stopping Texas A&M's pass. That's again where I was impressed last weekend. Christian Gonzalez was all over the field. That, you know, the, the secondary, maybe, uh, uh, no, I, I want to be fair. They played well. I mean, for God's sakes. Yeah. UNC's got some players, you know, let, let's, let's be careful here. You know, McCaffrey looked like he had him really ready to go. You, t- you talk about ready to go week one, UNC was ready to go. So this secondary looked fine to me, you know, it wasn't anything spectacular, but that's okay. They did what they needed to do, showed me what they needed to show me to have me feeling good about this, this week. Yeah, I actually have very little to complain about from the defensive side. Other than the penalties, you know, I think they were very involved on some of those penalties, give, giving first downs and additional downs uh, uh, for the Bears. So that you don't like to see. I think you need to clean that up. But overall in their performance, I don't really have any anything to, to complain about other than, again, it's UNC. Let's keep some perspective. Yes, you should look good, but they did. They, they to me, met the expectations that you want to see. Now you got to turn around and show that same level of play, if not take it up a notch to really give yourself a chance against a Well, one thing I noticed during the uh, UNC game is uh, the defense struggling a lot with the um, – Play action boot and these dra- and the drag routes across the middle and you know if A and M's going to have success running the football then they're going to not only will have they they picked it picked that up from last week's game but they're going to have that option for the play action pass right. they definitely will I mean it's good there's going to be a lot of options I think that CU's going to have to be aware of but you know this game's going to come down to like I said CU controlling the ball and kind of dictating the flow. Um, do you guys have anything else to add for you know what's important coming up here? What I think just overall on the defensive side is make Haynes King, their quarterback, their freshman quarterback, beat you. Uh, I, when you look at you know their running game, they're they're deep, they're strong. Isaiah Spiller is one of the best running backs in program history. Um, that's not that that's what they want to beat you with. So I think you have to you have to really button down on the run and make Haynes King beat you through the air. And if that if you can if you can shut down one or the other, that's what you got to go for in my mind. Yeah, I mean, look, this is going to be one of the toughest games he's played in a while. But we've seen it before. We've seen teams come into Boulder or Denver and the altitude, the fans get them. By the way, the fans. What do you think the turnout's going to be like? Well, I I have to give some props to the fans for showing up yeah. to this UNC game. Yeah. I wasn't sure what to expect. That student section was packed. Well, the student section was spilling over. There were there were students coming and sitting up by me in yeah. the yeah, so, 81st row. I'm like, so oh my based God. on that. I am really, really encouraged at what we're going to see for Buffs turnout next week. I know it's going to be a packed stadium. Yeah. Let's just hopefully, let's <laughs> oh, hope it's, it's mostly awesome. black and gold packing that stadium. Right, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Uh, special teams, any concern with the. Uh how long was that field goal? 53, but good from 52. Right? Oh, <laughs> Just yeah, off the crossbar. I mean, good from 52 and three quarters. That <laughs> was so. Uh, but it's with, encouraging, though. He looked good. I mean, yeah, but. Uh, I don't know. I just we've seen kickers in Boulder be able to hit that. Well, and, yeah, well, when you ask, you know, a kid's first kick is a fifty-three yarder for your program. Yeah, well, it was, it was that's, on. That's, I, mean, it was on I, I know it's not fair to him, but all I kept thinking about is that quote from Carl Durrell, like 
Yeah, no, we we tried to rattle him. We tried to do everything, you know, and he, he only missed one kick all of camp. Yeah, but uh, right, look, only that, one kick. That was short, you know. No, I mean, no and honestly, maybe. he was he was very upset with himself. You could you could tell. Uh, that's a lot of pressure to put on it a is, freshman. Yeah, but otherwise with special teams, I thought, uh, you know, coverage looked good um, when we did have to punt, you know everything looked good. So. That's one area where we can't lose. And you mentioned uh, Dimitri teams. Stanley didn't have a big impact on the offense, but he absolutely had an yeah, impact definitely. punt returning. Uh, every, it just seemed about just about every time the bus was starting on the 50 yard line. Yeah. So I think just in that game, he was like seven yards short for his total combined return yardage from last year. Yeah, wow. he did a nice job. And, and when you talk about how you beat the number six team in the country for the bus, it's plays like that. Yeah. You need those big game flipping plays. Yeah, like a pick six or a punt return touchdown kick return you, you give yourself an opportunity because if you go out you can you can drive down the field and score on your first possession you get a stop and then you get a punt return. i mean that's when you give them that kind of early blow you can put yourself ahead and now they're playing scared at with a freshman quarterback that looked a little rocky last week and on the same end we can't let them do that to us right the, that's what they're the going to try to do teams plays exactly those big momentum plays we can't do that. So, all right. Uh, the spread, 17. And I'm 17 point favorites in Denver. I'm taking the Buffs plus 17. I like the Buffs break. plus 17. Yeah, it's nonsense. Buffs are going to keep it closer <laughs> than that. It's absolute nonsense. Yeah, I, I, hey, I get it. You yeah. know, I, I, you, you can't really argue with the odds makers on that one. That's mm-hmm. probably going to put some good money in there, but you and I will get in on the Buffs, I think. All right. Anything else you want to add? No, let's just go Buffs. You know, I yeah. was a little critical uh, Buffs, early baby. in the season looking into this game. I, I, I'm excited. I'm I think too. the Buffs need to absolutely take from last week, learn, improve, and take it on. I think CU's got a really good shot to win this game. They just got to come out not make the same mistakes they did last week, take care of the football. Brendan, throw that thing, baby. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Let's go Buffs. We'll talk to you guys next week.